0: This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith.
1: G'day, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. I've got a chat with Josh Middleton from Silosis to share with you. He has just left Architects, so we talk a little bit about that. But the catalyst and indeed the focus of this chat is all about the new album from Silosis called A Sign of Things to Come. Now, if you've tuned in via the podcast apps I've got a tune to share with you, this is the title track from the new album. You people on YouTube, you know the drill. Unfortunately, I can't share music, so we'll cut to the conversation right now. Either way, let's dive into it. Let's go. the calls or the Zoomers as they are these days. How have they been going? Because I know you've had about three or four before me.
2: Yeah, good. I've had like two days before this, all Australia and New Zealand. And it's uh, it's really cool to kind of hear a lot of people um, in Australia, like very familiar with the band, looking forward to the shows and stuff. It, it's, it's kind of like a new revelation because we've only done one tour in Australia. It was Soundwave 2013, 10 years ago. And uh, we've just seen some stats like our Spotify numbers, like Australia's uh, the fifth best market for us for streaming in the world. Mm. So uh, it's oh, It's, yeah, it's really uh, promising to, to know that things are doing well for us over there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I have some insight into why the band's been going well, but I'll get to that because the first question I have okay. for you is that the new album is called A Sign of Things to Come. And I did. I read your interview on Guitar.com, and it was a pretty insightful interview for them, I've got to say. But you, you were quoted as saying that you feel like this album's a secondary debut.
2: In what way do you feel it is a second debut? Um, I think, funnily enough, this is like the closest we've sounded to how the band wanted to sound when we started so like we started when we were 12 13 around that time and we didn't release any music for the first like four years and our sound had already progressed by that point and changed and this is like aside from it uh feeling like closer to how we came out at the start where we just want to be as heavy and as intense as possible and like have a lot of like energy and intensity to the music um it's also just like the most we've ever, most effort we've ever put into a record, like the writing and just like the attention to detail and just going over and over and just making sure that it was like trying to create like a really classic album, like an album that's really going to like be a statement and not just another good album. Um, So there's just like a, I don't know, a a reinvigoration, like a new, like Energy that's been injected into the band, um, and we've kind of just honed what we do a bit better. I think
1: I can hear that, and in some ways, I set you up for that question because it does feel like as though you've captured some sort of original elixir that I think you started out with. Now you've had a, you've got, you've gained tremendous experience with your time in architects, and now yeah. you're back doing your own thing. But I feel like as though this is the album that could potentially take you to – I was just talking to the bassist from Asking Alexandria, and I said something similar, but I actually mean it for both of you, which is that, you know, the Parkway Drive are like second building. They're just beneath the, the Metallicas and this stuff of the world, but you guys are really pushing at that point based on the quality of the sounds across, and that's really important point because the riffs are there. I don't feel like as though any of the riffs are garbage on this, and I only listened to it half an hour ago a couple of times. I had it so last hour and a half or so I've been having it. But what what sort of editing process did you put yourself through to make sure that the the riffs were as tight as what they are?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, it was more just making sure it was like, yeah, just every riff has to count because in the past we've had like longer songs that were like four and a half to five and a half minutes, and we wanted to – trim the fat but not feel like we're just doing really boring verse chorus arrangements so it's all about you know feeling like you've taken the listener on a journey but every riff has to count because if you want it to be like under four and a half minutes or four minutes then like you've got to really make sure that every riff is like gonna excite people and uh yeah so like in terms of that like we do in terms of, like, editing down the amount of songs, like, we had, like, 20 to begin with, and then it was just, like, get honed down on, like, which ones would resonate the most. And uh, also with the writing, like, I, over the years, I just got used to, like, being sat in front of a computer just writing riffs, just sat like this. And This time around, it's I've been, like, playing stood up, trying to, like, imagine, like, I'm playing a show, and, like, what's going to uh. feel intense, what's going to, like, actually get some sort of physical reaction from me when i'm writing it so that's been a big part of like my like mental approach to like writing a lot of the music but um in terms of like actually tracking the riffs and stuff it was quite a quick process like i, I spent all my life recording guitars and demoing so it's late hmm. now and it's not too bad well just to add to my point i feel like as though
1: if, if kerry king is looking for Somebody to uh, help him work on the next album, based on what I've heard across the sign of things to come. You're you're the guy at the moment, of course. There's there's Willie Adler and there's the guys in Lamb of God, but I, I feel like as though you're you're really pushing up on this front here. So, can you, does that statement resonate with you somewhat? That especially where Slayer sort of left things with uh, Repentless. Do you feel like as though
2: you're mining a similar vein? Well, thank you. First and foremost, it's very kind of you. Uh, Yeah, I I guess so. Like, I mean, to me, there's. I think the metal scene is like amazing right now. There's tons of amazing bands, but it feels like there's not a lot. I I hate to just say like straight ahead metal because it sounds like. I agree. Yeah. But there's like not much filling that gap. Like Pantera, Machine Head, Lamb of God. Like, there's not many new bands that with like cool riffy riffs. You know, there's a lot of really cool death metal coming out, which I love. And There's a lot of bands doing a more like dirty, grimy, hardcorey thing, which is also great. But um yeah, in terms of like those kind of riffs that you and I are talking about, um that's kind of where we're headed. And I feel like yeah, like we're aiming to to try and fill that void, definitely. Mm-hmm. Was there anything in regards
1: to your approach to guitar playing outside of what you just mentioned there about the way you formulated songs, but did you decide you wanted to dive into some new techniques this time around and bring them to life?
2: Um, not necessarily, definitely not like techniques. I feel like I've done quite a lot, um, of, uh, I've explored a lot of the areas of guitar throughout uh, the band's career. Um, but just, yeah, maybe uh, mixing up the types of riffs we do and there's a, a bit more uh, variety on the record. As much as, like, I'm, I can confidently say it's probably the heaviest material. There is obviously variety on the record yeah. and a variety of sounds and stuff. And uh, I think we we'll, we'll always, we, we're not going to, like, leave our sound in the past in terms of what we've done, but we're, we're going to, like, branch out from where we have been and try different things. And there's a bit more like groove and like stompy kind of like riffs that are going to go down well on big stages and festivals or arenas. Like that's kind of, we wanted to try some different like tempos and there's a a lot more of yeah, just different types of riffs for us.
1: Hmm. Now I, Conjure are a, a great extreme metal band and you've got one of their members in your band, that, that being being bassist Connor Marshall. So did he contribute to the writing in any way? Um
2: not as much like in terms of the writing, but more in terms of um like I guess uh helping with arrangements and stuff. And I, I really was like seeking out like the other guys like involved as much as possible. I was trying to get riffs out of them, but um <laughs> it's hard sometimes to like pry riffs out of the other guys, but I, I genuinely really like it. I like to um, kind of like if, if someone brings a riff or like half a song to me, that's such a great starting point for me as opposed to me just coming up with something from scratch. So I I, I do like that, but there wasn't a lot this time around, but I'm going to keep pushing them hmm. to write more. Yeah, fair
1: enough. Yeah. Look, I, I feel as though, Given you've just left architects who have a pretty big profile, it's fair to say. I feel like as though you've really accomplished yourself on this album here. But do you do you feel the same way in terms of that'll lead to a rise in the the profile of Solosis?
2: Yeah, I, I'd, I'd hope so. I think um, our manager was really uh, like, you know, honest and brutal with me in terms of like, I, I th- he he wasn't knocking anything we'd done in the past, but just saying how like we really needed to step up on this record to really like step our game up and, and hit that next level. And, and what, what makes, you know, bands successful from an outside perspective. And there's, there's some stuff that as a like an artist or a writer that maybe I like get in my own head too much and be like, Oh, we can't do that. Cause people, I don't know, whatever it is, art is too like memorable or something <laughs> like that. And I'd, I, I like, of, like, obscure death metal and progressive music. But um, it, the, he really pushed me with, like, the vocal delivery and making sure that, like, that was the forefront of the record and it really, like, connects with people. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad that he was, like, quite brutal with us because he had a very valid point And it really, like, we really stepped our game up for the, the writing and the performances and trying to make a really cohesive, uh, focused record. You know, it's only ten tracks. We've never done that, and it fits on a single vinyl disc, which we've never done either. Mm. That's a really
1: good point, and one that I was going to ask you anyway. Which is that you're you've been around for years. I get that you've been around for fifteen years, and and you certainly uh, you spend some time in the limelight with architects. But there's a thing now for newer bands, and certainly for newer types of metal. To do EPs or even issue EPs altogether, certainly albums altogether, but even EPs altogether, and just do the singles thing via YouTube, via Spotify. Did that come into your thinking at all?
2: Uh, no, I, I think uh, you do hear a lot of bands saying, "Oh, vinyls are dead. which, uh, sorry, uh, records or albums are dead, and we're just going to do singles or EPs." But it still seems like that is the you know what what people are sticking to, and I I personally would rather have a record and, and wait a bit longer and then get another record as opposed to just constantly getting eps quicker i feel like having a bit of time between releases for fans is good to kind of you get you know you really dig into that record and, and listen to it and focus your time and energy you know, and it gives the band time to maybe progress a bit more a few steps ahead if you as opposed to if you just keep releasing music like every year and that kind of thing and yeah, I don't know. I, I still really like albums as as a you know a way to release music.
1: What sort of a, a or do I should say does again I should say Nuclear do They have any say over the music that you release and the no. format and
2: the format as well? No, uh, I mean, admittedly, we haven't gone to them in terms of format, said, we just want to do EPs. So maybe they would have something to say about that. And they'd probably have some like data analytics of sales and stuff to back up whatever their reasoning might be. I'd imagine they'd be like, no, people prefer albums, <laughs> but uh, no, in terms of the music, they're really supportive. Um, and also like, yeah, we had uh, some uh, input from our A&R guide, uh, Barley, uh, Nathan Barley who's head of NR now and just like encouragement and that sort of thing but yeah they, they don't have any input into the type of music we write which is amazing but if you look at their roster I mean it, they, they came up from you know real metal whatever you want to say like a lot of mm-hmm. extreme music stuff and it's not they're not like a major label trying to market something that you're not and if they didn't like the band they wouldn't sign it so yeah, I, I've they've never had said anything um, to to try and steer us in a certain direction.
1: Yeah, they are a credit to the metal community and to themselves. I think nuclear blast in that front because I've I've, sp- speak- I've spoken to a bunch of nuclear blast artists, and the response to the question is is a, is either what you just said or it's an analog to what you just said there. They seem to just sign bands where they trust the artist that you're going to deliver, you're going to do what you do. You're not going to go and release a Limp Bizkit style album the next one because let's face it, you know, there's you know, they trust that you're not going to go postal. <laughs> is the main point here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Definitely. No.
1: Yeah. Now, uh you must be asking I'm not going to ask a question about Architects, but I'm going to kind of in a way. <laughs> sure. You, you've been uh, you've just left every
2: interview is the same question coming up. Not necessarily, no. <laughs> I think people have been quite, like, respectful. I'm not saying it's disrespectful or anything to, to ask about it because it's fine, but uh, people uh, haven't really pushed or pried too much, and we've, like, sort of said the statement as it is, and it's uh, there's, there, there just isn't, uh, like, any drama there to, to speak of. But I don't know if, if there was another question you were alluding to, but... You're welcome to no, ask it.
1: <laughs> no, that was it. It was just as soon as someone leaves a prominent band, all of a sudden it's why, why are you doing this? And you find that you have to answer the same question over and over again rather than the interview was actually diving into the media that's just been released to see, the, uh, to see your answer to a question and then maybe use that as a prompt to ask even more intelligent or deeper questions about what went on. But I, as I say, I've read the guitar.com interview that you did and there's a few other ones out there too. So I think both the band's architects and you, have articulated your position very well. So I don't feel like I need to ask the question,
2: to be honest with you. (laughs) To elaborate, I mean, not really elaborate, but uh, I think between me and the architects guys, I think something that we didn't want to happen is the moment you start talking and then going into every single detail of everything, like people are just going to try and pick something you've said, then put it to the other side and then like start pitting you against each other when it, when it's just like there's nothing there to talk about and i think the less you say about it as frustrating as it might be for uh like the media um the easier it is to just like not like have people trying to get, get like clickbait from it or, or try to like set each other on like as two opposing sides because we're still friends and everything
1: I think that's inevitable anyway, though. I just spoke to Jesper from In Flames. or He's not in In Flames anymore, but uh, the halo effect and a few other things. I mean, he's he's a foundation guitarist insofar as that he's the guy that bought New Wave of British heavy metal and popularised it at the very least in that sweet death, death metal sound. And, of course, he made yeah. uh, some off-the-cuff remarks that weren't in any way malicious, certainly about when he left in flames that he felt that the death metal sound wasn't there anymore and, of course, Blabbermouth and Ultimate Guitar and they all pick it up and I've posted it on my socials just asking the audience, you know, what do you think? Do you think that, you know, these sites have, uh, that they 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 act in with impunity, we know that, but do they have a responsibility is the point to dive a bit deeper and to, say, engage in some real journalism?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to yeah, well, they're they're in the business of hits and clicks. That's it, and that's that's what I've tried to explain to my audience because a bunch of my stuff gets picked up by Blabbermouth, and I just say the same thing, which is it guy, okay, great to see that they've picked up something, but the reason they do it is because they get paid money via advertising revenue through clicks, and just understand that's the game."
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: What about the highlight? Was it playing with Metallica?
2: Was that was that a, a one of those milestone moments? Oh yeah, definitely. They're like, yeah, favorite band growing up. Never really thought I'd get to play with them. You know, I've I've always like had a lot of confidence in myself or like Solosis or Architects in terms of like the band and my career doing well. And like, but getting to tour with Metallica is like only a few bands get to do it. And what are the chances? It's it's just not something that, you know, it would have been great. And I have and still have aspirations to take Solosis to be as big as we can. But touring with Metallica is like, not something that uh, it just doesn't seem all that easy to obtain, and it also Metallica like curate the bill to a degree. I think themselves, so getting put forward for that slot and having it agreed upon yeah, it's it's rare. So yeah, it was insane, dream come true. You know, I grew up watching videos of them as a kid, like VHS tapes of you know the Black Album stuff and playing in that in the middle of the room uh, was not something I ever thought I'd get to play on a stage like that. And it's very weird and hard to get used to. And the, the stage that they have currently is like the biggest version of that they've ever done. And uh, we'd each have our own little spot. So I've got like my microphone, my water, my guitar tuner, but you'd all have to keep like moving around the stage, you know, keep keep things interesting. And you get like halfway around the stage. And I'm like, oh shit, I, I need to, do some backing vocals and i'd have to like run there the (laughs) amount of time i was too far away to get back to my microphone on time yeah it it was really cool it was super uh, frank we met them and oh really, really yeah right yeah
1: what was your perception of lars
2: oh really nice i mean i'm a huge fan of that guy and i'm talking from like uh from what i get from his like personality like I think he's just got a good sense of humor like there's a bit of maybe like a a cocky thing that people seem to get from him but I think there's also like a level of like humor and 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 fun with with his personality so like he was yet yeah, great uh super friendly funny very uh like humble and like just you know they re- they really seem to want to like make sure we were looked after and stuff yeah he's <laughs> Yeah, I,
1: I've I've had very similar responses from other people that have met him. I think it's just the way he conducts himself he conducts himself in interviews, and the fact that, in mine and many other people's opinion, he's not the greatest drummer for the band. <laughs> so um, he tends to cop a bit of stick from the fans. But yeah, there's there's no question that without him, I don't think the band would be anywhere
2: near as successful as what they are. I mean, yeah, he's yeah, you can tell he's got a real. I mean, not from my interaction with him. We didn't really talk, you know, business or anything, but just. And over the years, and what you see of him, you can really tell he's got a, a vision, and he's got uh, interesting ideas, and, and and really helps like curate the band's career and everything they do. So yeah, I've got a lot of respect for him. And personally, like I know he's not like that technical as a drummer, but sometimes that's just the most satisfying thing to do—the simple stuff. You know. Oh, I listened to—I
1: can't recall the name of your drummer. Sorry, but I compared to what, say chris adler does or even the bloke i saw the other night from peru that's in david ellison's kings of thrash when i say even that he was absolutely tremendous by the way but compared to what lars does and there are that many live videos out there that are recorded on iphones and android devices out there where he skips a beat or does something or it sort of you can see i remember seeing metallica in 2010 in brisbane and um they they were out on one of the songs. It might have been battery because it's so fast. But remember at the end of the song, James turned around and said, Well, at least three of us managed to stop on time or something like that, just having a taking the piss out of him. <laughs> it was just one of those moments. So that's that's a point. Did you did you actually have some
2: like some decent interface time with James as well? Yeah, I got to meet him and like uh speak to him and uh I've got a cool picture of him. I've got a cool picture where he, him and Rob came to our dressing room on the first show and like gave us this like cake with their logo on it and stuff. We've got a nice picture of me holding a cake that I'd just been given from James Setfield. Yeah. Spoke to him for a bit, told him uh, I loved some of the riffs from the new, well, I, I think the new record's great, but there's a, a funny picture of me like my face skewed up because I'm literally like going, oh, I love riffs. In Crown of Barbed Wire that's like and my photographer got a picture of me like that, <laughs> mouthing one of his riffs to him. So I got some great moments in time captured in photographs. Uh, but he was, yeah, really, really friendly, really cool guy. You know, I didn't, you know, spend a lot of time with them, but it was very cool.
1: Yeah. But that's great though, isn't it? I mean, you to, to your point, very, very few bands get to do that. What you just mentioned. Yeah. At least get a cake, you know. Uh, the, exactly. You know, you got a cake from James Hetfield. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'll, I'll make this my final question for you, uh, Australia. Is there obviously you've spoken about the popularity of the group down here, so there must be plans to come down soon.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't, I can't divulge anything because nothing's set in stone. But it looks like we'll be over in the the hopefully the first half of next year if everything goes to plan. And uh, that will actually potentially be the second tour of the album cycles, which is very exciting. So fingers crossed. But yeah, we are—we're definitely going to make a, a point to get over there as soon as we can.
1: I'll be in the crowd, no doubt. Yeah, you know, I can't wait to see you guys live. Actually, just based on the your, your album, we, we did—we have actually spoken before in the previous album, and I was impressed with that. But this one here, I think, has just got that touch of class to it that you need to sort of get over and above. So I look forward yeah. to seeing it.
2: Yeah much appreciate that thanks brother appreciate
1: it mate
2: all right all the best man thank you very much for having me on
1: well there you have it that's my chat with josh middleton from silosis x architects hope you enjoyed it if you did there are many more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com and if you like listening maybe you like reading and i've written a book so click on the link in the banner and you'll be taken to a marketplace of your choice just download a sample just Give it a bit of a, give it a taste if you like. You know, we're all on our devices these days, aren't we? So you're already on your device. You might as well go to Amazon or whatever marketplace you go to and download a sample and give it a bit of a try. And if you do complete the purchase, do hit me up because I want to thank you personally for doing so. There's some more information to share with you to entice you into checking out the book, but Before we get there, I'll bid you a fond farewell. My name's Andrew McKay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast. Until next time, it's a goodbye for now.
0: This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been
1: the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all... I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume One, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Coal Chamber and why the band will never return.
0: You know, if you're a a band just starting out, you need to hear me.
1: Do not start a band with partners, ever. Yeah, wise words, uh, sage
0: advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved.
1: Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment.
2: I think the staying power of the the fans and the staying power of the... of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs.
1: Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silenos from Demu Gear write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this
2: idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing Complete piece of shit in there. I, I, I just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place.
1: And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive Overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner.
0: Chuck was always, um, you know, he was, he was very, you know, very open-minded, and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for for the best stuff that they had.
1: Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics, who dismiss his tenure, with Marilyn Manson.
0: You know, my name is John Five and Manson gave me that name and um, I had some of
1: the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an e-book with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.